traveled. Uh, maybe you just found us online. Whatever brought you here tonight, if you are new to Christ Church, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're really delighted that you're with us, spending this evening with us tonight. We just had the reading of the gospel from Matthew, and we hear this name, Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 23 says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And that word, Emmanuel, that name translates God with us or God is with us. This is the day that we celebrate the fact that that became a reality in such a tangible and real way, and that God comes to us still. I have always loved maps, and I, don't even, I can't even place when it began, but I just have loved for all my life to ponder different kinds of maps. But it took another step when I was a teenager in the mid-80s, and I got a globe, and a little globe where you can spin it, and you can feel the topography of the mountain ranges, and this was, a, this was a Cold War globe, so it had USSRR and, you know, all, and um, even recently, it wasn't too long ago, the last time that I saw it, because I've carried it around with me for years, but I would study all the exotic names and places, just fascinated. It fired my imagination, broadened my understanding of the world, and, and my place in it. For most of history, maps have been much more than a navigational tool. That's how we often think of them today, but maps were primarily not for travel. They were created to reflect the worldview, the worldview of the map maker. Uh, maps often revealed how people see the world. And as you look through history, you can kind of get a glimpse of how people saw the world. Take this one, for example, right here. Here's a map of the world from the perspective of Australia. So the earth, of course, spins on an axis, so we do have kind of an, a top and a bottom of the globe. That's not random. It's at the two poles of the axis. But who's to say which pole belongs on top and which on the bottom? Map makers in Australia have something to say about that. So here we have a picture of what it might look like, what the world does look like from another perspective. Map makers throughout much of history were meaning makers. Here's another map. This is a Renaissance map by a guy named Heinrich Bunting. And um, this is the world as 16th century Christians in Europe understood it. At the center of the world is Jerusalem, which in fact is located at a crossroads between three continents. Each of them here are shown sprouting as petals of a flower from that center. Now, the mapmaker also wanted people to think about the world from God's perspective. So you see how this map, this would be useless for navigation if anybody tried to get anywhere with this map. But that wasn't the point. It was these map makers were doing meaning making. And in the heart of Jerusalem was the temple. And the temple was the focus of everything. The temple was the center of Jewish life. It was the center of Jewish faith and religion. It was the cultural center. It was the soul of the nation. So this is where, in the temple, the light and the glory of God came into the very presence of his people right here in the temple and brought salvation. The temple is where people came to see their sins forgiven. It's temples where people came to worship. This was the heart and soul. This map maker, map maker was a 
meaning maker. And what he's saying is that the center of the world is the light and the life of God. That's what the center of the world. The wonder and the worship of God is what's at the center of the world. The forgiveness of sins and the love of God for all nations, all peoples, is at the center of the world. Now, what if a map maker working in a visual medium was trying to use their imagination, a, a sanctified imagination, to map and, and to put visually down what it looks like to think of the heavens and the earth? So far, we're just looking at the earth. Well, here's an example of that. This shows the overlapping spheres of heaven and earth. That space where they're overlapping, you see that right in the middle, is gold. And that's a way of saying this is the sweet spot. This is where heaven and earth come together. This is the home of goodness and glory. Right there, that gold area where they overlap. This is where holiness and wholeness lives. That overlapping gold has a name. It's called a mandorla which comes from an Italian word for almond because it's shaped like an almond. Mandorla. Let's say that together. Everybody, one, two, three. Mandorla. You got it. Now you remember it. Mandorla is where heaven and earth meet, this almond-shaped space where heaven and earth come together. Now, for the Jewish people who are waiting for God, the Messiah, to come, waiting for God to establish the kingdom of goodness and glory upon earth, for them... The temple was the place where heaven and earth meet. The temple you might think of as right smack in the middle of the mandorla. There's also ways in which they thought of it as the navel of the earth. Think of it this way. Like you have a mother and a child, and they're in, in uterus, but then there's, after the verse, there's this umbilical cord that connects the life of one to the life of the other. And that was another way they thought... The temple is like the umbilical cord between the life of heaven and the life of earth that is shared through Jesus. Heaven and earth meet right there at the temple. Jesus is in the middle of the mandola. Or as author John Ortberg put it, the temple was where heaven invades earth. He writes this. He says, heaven and earth are not two separate spheres. They actually overlap and interlock. If you look at that, it's not like there's a circle over here and there's a circle over here, or even like they just barely touch each other, but they're overlapping, interlocking. And he says, events like sacrifice and dedicating and naming infants and worship took place in the temple because the temple is the place where heaven invades earth. And when heaven invades earth, things happen, like sins get forgiven. Nobody, nobody's become somebody's. Outcasts enter into a relationship with God. Human lives are given divine purpose right in that overlap. Israel believed that God decided that in this one little place, this one little place that we see on the map, people could get a glimpse of what it would be like for heaven and earth to come together, for heaven to invade earth. And he did this so that people could keep hope alive. And know how to enter in. So today, we celebrate the Feast of the Incarnation. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. And as we just heard in our gospel reading, the angel that visits Mary and Joseph tells them that this child will be called Emmanuel, God with us, coming together. 
As Jesus is born, he's soon taken to the temple, and we get that story where even as a, as a child, as an infant, a baby, he's taken to the temple. A man named Simeon blesses him and speaks all these beautiful, wonderful things that represent what happens when heaven and earth, when heaven comes and invades earth, when heaven and earth come together. And then, you know, Jesus, at that story, when he was 12 years old, he's left behind at the temple. His family goes on because they don't realize he is so, he is so into the teachings by the rabbis and the words of God, and he is in the temple, soaking it up. And so we see Jesus growing up with this kind of affinity, proximity to the temple. But as he grows up, Jesus travels around and he ministers in different places and, and he does things and says things that make it sound like the whole reason of the temple, the whole purpose of the temple all along was actually to point to him. And then there's this exchange where he has with some of the, the religious leaders, and he's talking to his disciples. He says to his, to his followers that the temple would be destroyed and that it will be rebuilt in three days, and they were really puzzled because they didn't realize that he was talking about himself. How could the temple be destroyed and rebuilt in three days? This took years, decades to build it. What are you talking about? They don't realize he's talking about himself. He's referring to his own death and his resurrection. What he's saying is that he is now identifying himself with the temple. He was saying that he is the temple. The temple is not a place, but a person. What he's saying is that he in himself is where heaven invades earth, that he himself is where these two come together, interlocking, overlapping. Where does heaven invade earth? In Jesus. Jesus is where heaven and earth come together. It's where the love of God reigns. It's where sins get forgiven, where nobodies become somebody. It's where outcasts enter into a relationship with God. It's where human lives are given divine meaning and purpose. Jesus is the, the mandorla. He is where heaven and earth meet, where the spiritual and material come together, where humanity and divinity come together. This is why icons of Jesus will often depict Jesus within a mandorla, within that almond-shaped shape, uh, almond space where heaven and earth we saw overlap. So let me show a few examples of this. Here on the far left, this is the uh, stained glass from the cathedral in Chartres, France. And then you have a couple other icons, and you can discern how Jesus is placed within that mandorla. He occupies that space, heaven and earth. Where heaven and earth come together, there is Jesus. Where Jesus is, there heaven and earth come together, interlocking, overlapping. What these show is that Jesus is at the core of the cosmos. Jesus is at the core of the cosmos. He's in the middle of the map. He's the unifying center of our lives. He's the unifying center of our world and all creation and all that is, was, and ever will be. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way when he writes to the Colossians. He says this, the Son is the image, the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, 
And in him, everything holds together. So let me turn this now to us and ask this question. What's at the center of your map? If you think of yourself as a map maker, if you think of yourself as a meaning maker, and you're, what does your map look like? What is it that holds the whole thing together? That is all in all. What's at the center of your map? Well, Jesus makes an offer. He says, let me come. Let me come into the center. Let me be in the middle of your life, giving meaning to everything else in your life. Let me come into your life to the very center, to the heart of who you are, the very core of who you are. And you might be afraid to draw the map of your life that way and let anyone into the mess of your life. You might feel like there's too much, too much clutter, too many cobwebs, too much shame to let Jesus into the center of your life. Better to get this place straightened up, you might think, before that. That kind of thinking that we have to get ourselves together, that we got to get it right and get it straight, is actually the kind of thinking that the religious people around Jesus uh, were, were operating in when they had conversations with him. They thought you have to get it in order for God to show up. Some religious people asked Jesus' followers, they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So these religious leaders are thinking, like, that's not what God would do. That's not what a Messiah is going to do when the Messiah comes. That's not what rabbis do. You follow this teacher. What is he doing and why is he doing that? Jesus overheard that conversation. And he steps into the conversation. He says this. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. And then I love these words. It says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In this temple, mercy reigns. In that temple, sacrifice reigned. In this temple, mercy reigns. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Because Jesus is where heaven invades earth, where mercy reigns and the sick are healed. Jesus, the map maker, Jesus, the meaning maker, offers to redraw our lives with him so that who he is and who we are, who he is and who we are, are joined together in the mandorla. We are in him and he is in us. And as we are in him and as he is us, we are in that place where the heavens and the earth have come together. We're in that golden, sweet spot. This is the mystery of the incarnation, that he gathers us up into himself, and we receive him into ourselves. His life is shared with ours. Our life is shared with him, taken up into him. So I want to invite you to let God redraw your map with Jesus at the center, to enter into that space, to let him be the map maker, let him be the meaning maker. I want to invite you to let him have an overlapping, interlocking presence within your heart, within your mind, within all of your life, in the arenas of your life. Right there, he will show you mercy. He will fill you with 
hope in the places of the darkest despair that you might feel right now. To let God redraw the map might bring fear. Maybe there's some things lying around inside that you think, I'd rather no one see this, especially opening this up for God to get in the middle of it and work with it. Or maybe you think you have too many doubts or you have too many disappointments. Maybe you've known already what it means for God to be your map maker. For You've known already what it means for Jesus to be in the center. But maybe you're looking at the last few years and thinking life is hard. Is it supposed to be this hard? Is it supposed to be this way? Where's God? Am I alone? I'm alone in, am I alone in this mess? Are, are we alone in the cosmos? Maybe you've lost perspective and you're willing to take a chance again on seeing the world with with Jesus' eyes, him at the center, looking at the world as meaningful again, willing to ask again, what, what do things look like through his eyes? What if I could see the map of my life the way he does? If you're ready to, to try or to try again, You might be surprised that there's comfort where you didn't think you'd find it anymore. There's hope. There's courage where you need to face something. Jesus is ready to stand with you. He's ready to say that when you do, when you do have that redrawn map, he's ready to say, I am with you and will always be with you sharing my life with you as if we were as connected as a mother and a newborn child even before the umbilical cord is cut. My life and your life, that connected. You'll know the love of Jesus Christ where brokenness gets healed, where nobody's become somebody's, where outcasts enter into a relationship with God, where human lives are given divine purpose and meaning We often say at Christ Church, no one stands alone. And what we mean by that is it's our desire that everybody stand in the company of Christ and his people. It's our deep desire. And here's the amazing thing, that not only has Christ become the place where heaven and earth overlap, but all Christ's people too. He says, we are now the temple with him. We are the place, we're that overlapping place where heaven and earth overlap and are evident so that when people see Christ's followers, when he see, they see us, his desire is that they get a glimpse of heaven and earth come together. Not because we're perfect, far from it, but actually because the light of Christ shines through our weakness, because the light of Christ shines through our brokenness, because his mercy is displayed, because we know that we are in desperate need of it and we yield ourselves to it. And so mercy becomes evident. Healing becomes evident in our brokenness. Grace and forgiveness becomes evident because we're honest about the ways we hurt each other and God and ourselves. Forgiveness comes. And as people see that, they get a glimpse of what heaven looks like, heaven and earth coming together. So I want to invite you now, if you would pray with me and asking God to, to be our meaning maker, our map maker. Jesus, we thank you again, this feast of the incarnation, that you are a God who came near in our skin, 
with our eyes and hearts, ears, hands and feet, you know what it is to suffer. And we thank you that in you, as we are joined to you, united in you, that we can live in that space, that golden, sweet spot space where heaven and earth come together. May we all, each of us, be a mandorla like that. Because we're in you, and you are in us. Would you renew hope? Everyone here that needs it, everyone who feels despair, would you give hope? For everyone who feels like they have a challenge too big in front of them, would you give courage? For everyone who feels like their heart is aching or broken because of some, something that they've done, that they feel so much shame about, would you just pour out mercy upon them? Would, they show, would you show them your deep love? Would you make us a people with the, people, with the, the world around us and the people around us as they see us? Would you make us a people that display your goodness and your glory and your love. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to